Hello and welcome to the Unorganized and Lost podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, and I'm here to prove you don't always have to be organized to follow your dreams and getting lost isn't always a bad thing. Today on the podcast, I have Nick Cavuto, and he is a serial entrepreneur, global leader, and master coach who is dedicated to seeing people succeed with a revolutionary, no bullshit approach to business growth and personal transformation. Hi, Nick. What's up, Michelle? What's cracking? Not too much. I am so excited to do this podcast with you. I think you have so much to share and the things that people need to listen to. And so I'm so excited that you could jump on with me. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, for unorganized and lost, I mean, these are my people um, (laughs) (laughs) because I am, you know, in that tribe. And so I appreciate you creating a platform for it and uh, a point of conversation that yeah, at the end of the day, it helps us get out of our own way so that we can do our greatest work. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. Yeah, it was actually interesting because I talked to different people and they're like, what's your podcast about? Like, what what are you trying to do with it? And I think what's so fascinating is that the reason I have so many different people and so many people from different walks of life is the biggest thing is just finding people that someone from the outside would say they're successful. And it's not that they're not or that they, that I don't think they're successful, but it's interesting to break down people's lives because when you talk to that person, this isn't just the beginning, this is chapter Mm -hmm. one. And when you're from the outside, you go, Oh, how could they ever get that job? Or how could they ever get that position? Or how could they get to where they are? And it feels so unattainable because people forget to explain the unorganized and lost to get there and also the unorganized and lost to the next step. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's, it's super fun. I actually heard something today that was basically talking about, it doesn't really matter what people do. It's their passion and their drive behind it that really inspires people. And I've realized the more people I talk to, everyone's story is pretty similar, but when you package it differently on what they're doing or who they are, it, it relates to people in a different way. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of cool to be able to talk to different people from different experiences but it's all kind of similar. We're all people. We're all trying to do our best. And so I'd love to dive into kind of where you started and how you got to where you are. Yeah, absolutely. You are now a coach. You're a mentor. You're all the things. Is that what you always thought you wanted to do? You know, I didn't really have any idea. The only aspiration that I had when I was a kid was that I wanted to be in the NBA. And as a six foot, you know, dude, that wasn't going to (laughs) happen. And I was like, I just remember that moment, probably like 12, 13. I'm like, I want to be in the NBA, you know, but what I translate that to today is that I love competition and I love a scoreboard. That's clear. I love a game that's simple where you have to focus on the foundations and the fundamentals to win. Because I think in life, that is part of life's game is like a lot of times, especially those who are, those of us who are unorganized and lost, you know, our distractions come in the form of complexity. And we overcomplicate things that are very simple. It's like trying to do spin moves in between the legs, dunks and basketball when, you know, Michael Jordan stayed after every game and shot 10,000 free throws. And that's why he was one of the greatest of all time. He also got cut from his eighth grade team. And that rejection and pain was a part of his process of growth to realize that like, if you want to be the best, you have to be willing to do what other people are unwilling to do. And so I think I've just always lived my life as a competitor. I'm the youngest of three boys. So like playing basketball, I ended up being the best. But when I was young, every time I shot, I get blocked. Every time I went for a layup, I get stuffed. Every time I tried to drive, you know, I'd get, my brothers were bigger than me and stronger than me. So I'd get pushed out of the lane. So I had to overcome adversity for my whole life and um, had a near death experience when I was a kid as well. And like when those things happen, uh, I think it develops a grit and perseverance to even though you're unorganized and lost in, in my situation, even though I've been plenty of times in my life, kind of live that narrative in a certain way, the perseverance and the grit to never give up and to not just throw in the towel is I think what has gotten me to the place of where people would call success. But I've learned more so now than ever, I'm on the road to fulfillment. And I think that the blueprint of life without joy and satisfaction is a difference between success and fulfillment. Absolutely. So did you go the, the society normal route of you get out of high school, go straight to college and all of that? So I got out of high school and I went to a junior college, uh, for that first semester kind of post high school. 
um, did that for a year and then went to university in South Florida. And um, I fell out of that school twice. So I fell out, went back to junior college for you know one semester, got my grades up enough to get back in, then fell out again. And so I attempted to do the standard process because I guess it just was like, well, the blueprint's already laid out for me, the life blueprint. You go to school, then you go to college, and then you figure out you know what you want to do. But that was the intended path. But then it's like when you hit the fork in the road, like I went down the one that was just a little bit different than what most people would choose, um, like the you know double black diamond, and I didn't know it. Um, but yeah, after falling out of college twice, like I really was lost. I mean, that was the first point in my life where I was like, I really have no idea what I'm going to do. And I think this will really meet someone's need today of their human experience that I chose to serve and to put service being first in the most unorganized, lost, the most, you know, the highest failure I'd ever experienced. It was cured by a heart of contribution and connection. It wasn't by grit. It wasn't by uh, striving. It wasn't by pushing harder. It was actually reducing time and space and going like, how can I be of contribution to a worthy cause where there are people who need, you know, someone to be present. And that served me incredibly well. I mean, that was the beginning of when I went into spiritual leadership, I just showed up as an intern. And in two years, I was number two in a 60 person organization running an eight figure budget for, you know, a church of 10,000 people. It's pretty insane. What made you get into that path? I know, I know a little bit more in your background, so I understand kind of yeah. what made you jump into the spiritual leadership, but what led you into that? Well, I mean, I was a pastor's kid. I grew up in church my whole life. Um, I've been around public, you know, speakers and communicators and transformational leaders, you know, since I could ever remember. Um, but at that time, to be quite specific, I didn't have any options. Yeah. You know, I was a 20 year old kid who fell out of college twice and had no path with a 1.6 GPA. Um, it's funny how sometimes in life we ask God or, you know, some people deem it as asking the universe or asking, you know, whatever high power exists, like, what do I need to do with my life? What is my purpose? What is my intent? Um, or we ask for things that we think that we want and God will in a way bless us backwards by giving us what we want. And then we realize it's not what we want. And then that's also a huge point of transition. So for me, I thought I wanted to do what everybody else was saying they were going to do. And in reality, that didn't work for me. And so I had to make a bold step that seemed backwards, but I think it was a blessing in my life that led to tremendous growth and opportunity. So that's where I found myself in a spot of going like, if I have nothing left to, to figure out or to sort out, where can I serve people who are in need? And I'll tell you, that's never failed. That's never failed me. It's always worked. Yeah. That's amazing. So you became a spiritual leader. You're running this 10,000 people church. What was after that for you? After that, I went into the startup world. Um, I exited ministry because I really wanted to continue my path, but um, you know, I made someone else's life very easy. I was fulfilling a lot of the stuff that someone didn't want to do. Uh, I did it because I was humble and hungry. <laughs> and so I got placed in position through humility and through just like putting in the hours, putting in the work. I got put in a position that people would literally have paid to be in that role. Um, and I got it through the circumstance of kind of sonship in a way and not to my father. Um, he was on the board of directors, but to the guy who was the number one in the organization. And so when that fracture point hit, it was another point of like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I leaned on my relationships that I had built over the last seven, eight years and found a guy who was like, Hey, we need someone to run branding uh, for our orthodontic company. And um, this was the main competitor to Invisalign at that time. So uh, they were like, we really need like somebody who gets brand. And I didn't realize how much I understood about brand and, and in marketing, I didn't understand how much I understood that I, that I got about human psychology and behavior, because when you're in a point of like spiritual leadership, you're dealing with the ethos of like what people truly want out of life. And you're not dealing with like bullcrap answers. 
like you're dealing with real stuff of people trying to figure out what they want in their life because spirituality is kind of like it's a foundation it's also like the highest ascension point so you get everything in the middle and so i just started creating content um building brand identity i had zero training in marketing and my first 18 months in the company i grew up by 25 percent with zero training yeah that's incredible and um they went from five leads a month to 600 leads a month and we did that wow. we did that part in nine months and then uh yeah it was insane so sometimes our most like there's a lot of moments in life that are very unexpected where if you rely on your intuition versus your intelligence, you're leveraging your compass and not your calculator. I think people use the wrong tool in different seasons of their life. Sometimes we try to figure out the how, and instead of treating it like a map, we treat it like an equation and that's wrong. So the, the compass is the thing that creates the points of redirection and gives you the hope that you're going now in the right direction. But that requires more of your intuition and much less of your cognitive knowledge. Absolutely. Wow, I love that. I think it's it's fascinating too to think about because sometimes there are projects that you take on that you realize that you just kind of happen to be good at and it's something that just makes sense to you. And you try to explain it to other people and they're like, that would have taken me, what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so yeah, totally. And it's and you might find someone who's been doing it for years and got trained specifically in school, but something like marketing especially, it changes so much and it's something that it's if you're not in the right time and space for what your your knowledge is, it's it's a difficult thing to figure out and it's hard to have that quote map as you said because there's no specifics to marketing. That's what's crazy. Is you talk to anyone, it is completely different whenever you talk to somebody about what you should do, how you should handle it and what works because it just depends on the brand and the message you want out there, right? And mm -hmm. there might be someone like you that can, you know, change a brand up 25%, but it doesn't mean that you can go to some people can, but not everybody can go into a different company that does something completely different and execute it the same, right? Mm -hmm. That's the blessing. You know, people who find themselves being unorganized and lost also always know how to find their way home because they're used to navigating uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Dang, that is so good. Like, I should write that down for myself. <laughs> um, people who have found themselves in life more often than not unorganized and lost, they have this thing about them to navigate uncertainty that most people do, just do not even have the stomach for, let alone... Yeah the grit to figure it out you know i'm just kind of reflecting on the journey going like wow i remember taking a culture index which is like a organizational personality test around how you fit in the organization and i remember the final summary sentence was um nick thinks outside the box because to nick there is not one so like the way that we navigate things when we're operating. I, I truly believe in the, our superpower without the kryptonite next to us, because that's a whole nother conversation of like, we know our superpower, but what we don't know is what is stopping and holding us back from using it. Yeah. But um, it's, it's really reflected in like the ability to not see the challenges and the problems, and the complexity that other people see. Um, again, requires intuition on intellect. What do you do when the formula doesn't work? You know, like, the engineers are like, the formula has to work. And you're like, but there is no formula. Yeah. It's just upside down, sideways, and backwards. And uh, that's the innovative thinking that most companies need in order to create breakthrough. And most people do too. Absolutely. I think it's fascinating that you brought that up because I think when we first met, I that was one thing I really picked up on about you is that you truly don't believe there's a box. Like you, it doesn't make sense to you that people even realize there's a box there. You're like, what box? Like, what do you, huh? And it's fascinating yep. because it's such a great, like you said, it's your superpower in the sense that you can come up with ideas that are completely different from the norm and they work because of that. Because the problem is that if you listen to people too much on no one's ever done that, why are you doing that? It's like, yeah, no one's ever done that. That's good. And if it doesn't work, we'll shift, right? It's interesting even with building this business, it's something that was truly a hobby. Every, but when I started, it was a hobby. It's been years that I've, I've had the concept and I've had unorganized and lost, but 
I kept coming back to it. It was one of those things where it's like, no, it can't be a business. Like at first I thought I wanted it to be a travel business where, you know, it's a hop on hop off bus tour of California, which I still think that needs to exist because California is so big and it's so complicated to get around and people think they can do it in a weekend, which is funny to me because you can't even do LA in a weekend. (laughs) And so, um, anyways, that's how it started in my mind. And it was like, Oh, it's going to be a blog. Oh, it's going to be a travel business. And it's all these things. And I realized the more I kept working and kind of having it on the back of my mind, I realized that it's more about everyone is unorganized and lost. And everyone's different about how they're unorganized and lost. Like, especially travel, for example, I am the worst at directions, like the actual worst. (laughs) Um, I could go to the same place multiple times, but if I have to like make a different turn, all of a sudden I'm driving in circles or again, how I traveled across the world. I don't know how I got back, but I did. So that's exciting. But then I'll meet other people like my cousin who, legit doesn't even she didn't have to drive she didn't have to like even pay it she could probably be asleep and somehow get us back and (laughs) so it's so funny because you realize that everyone's unorganized and lost in different ways that's true bringing it back to business and realizing that I wanted to be the story and I wanted it you know the podcast and the clothing brand is now that I'm building it is that you get so many opinions from people and the thing that's nice is when you truly understand like you said you're if you know the core value of it then you can navigate around people's advice as well, which I think is fascinating to learn because I've been trying to be very open to people's ideas, but also navigating what makes sense. So it's interesting that you bring up the whole box and the whole not having one because it's hard to navigate people's opinions and people's advice because it depends on the person. Yeah. And them not knowing where you were, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about the concept of knowing kind of what I heard was knowing your constants. Like mm-hmm. some people would say like, well, just having your, your values defined. I, I think we, I think that in my life operating by virtues and not values creates a range of what I can take an idea in and put it through the mill of my belief and then spit it out the other side. Yeah. So like an event in your life will happen where somebody says, Hey, you know, uh, you shouldn't record in your bedroom. Now, what you go to next is the belief about what you know to be true about yourself, your passion, the things that you want to accomplish. And you use that as a filter to then the emotion or the action. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people just have the event. Oh, you should do this. And by the way, anytime someone says should, or we reflect should, it's okay. a parent child type of relationship, either with that person that they're used to coaching down. So, mm-hmm. well, you should do this. It's like the finger pointing, or it's our interpretation of authority of yeah. like, well, this person then is positioning themselves in authority over what I should do. Absolutely. And so it's a good thing to start catching. And I, I tell people all the time, wouldn't, could, or fine. But when you hear should, it's a, typically a projection, which to your point, I don't have to accept other people's projections of what they want me to do and or what their opinion is about my circumstance. If I leverage my belief about the event and and about my life and what I know is true, the emotion or action is now filtered. You might say, no, this is number one. The people around me are here to support me. Great. Mm -hmm. Number two, you know, like imperfect action is better than, you know, perfect dwelling. (laughs) So like taking imperfect action is actually exactly how you stay in alignment. And if someone's trying to pull you away from that, also being honest and having integrity and having truthfulness in return of, you know, I, I could see that from that person's perspective, but it doesn't serve me. You know, yeah. our beliefs serve us typically for a season or a reason, just like people in our lives and, uh, or a lifetime. And we got to know which ones are which. So you're doing so amazing. Let me just Thank put you. that mirror back to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, it, I think it's just a good reminder for people to realize that Uh, they always say it's better to just, you know, just produce, 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 especially in the the field that I'm in. And then realizing that no matter where someone sees you, there's always improvement, right? Like, yes, Mm -hmm. I will one day be in a, a professional studio. I'll have my own office. That'll be, that will be amazing. Yes. 
But for now, the point is, is that I'm recording and doing these podcasts with people that I get to do over Zoom, which might not be as professional and might not be as great audio, but I get to connect with these people that I would never be able to do if they came to (laughs) California. So... It's just a, it's a good reflection, I think for, you know, not only myself, but just for other people to realize that there's sometimes where you just, you know what you need to do. You just need to keep going and then ask for advice when you need it again. Cause sometimes if you get advice a little too early, someone can nitpick anything you're doing, right? There's always ways to improve, but right now I'm working full time and then, you know, doing all these different things. It doesn't make sense for me to try to do it anywhere else. So anyways, I just mm-hmm. think that's interesting for I love it. to remember. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Um, so what I loved is, I don't know if you know this, but I actually posted a quote from you before I even met you. I didn't know that. You did the interview with Lauren and I posted on my Instagram, your quote of you can't do epic shit with basic people. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And I, and I really loved that. And I want you to expand a little bit on that for me relationships I think are of the highest currency in life. Um, I'm highly motivated by growth more than relationships um, because I'm a competitor, but you can't win without a team. (laughs) So like this comes from this perspective of like Jordan wasn't Jordan without Pippen, you know, the NBA super teams now are the norm when it used to be just Larry bird or just magic Johnson. Like you had pillars of, you know, people who did incredible things. The era of Jordan was, you know, the two man show. Now it's the five man show. You got to have clay. You got to have, you know, Curry, you got to have Draymond, you know, like you got to have the whole crew operating as superstars. And so I've just been realizing this more and more over time that like, if you want to do incredible things in life, if you have, a place of wanting to accomplish something completely out of the ordinary. You cannot do it alone. And I think true empaths, meaning people who can not only put themselves in other one, someone else's shoes, but they can actually close their eyes and experience the emotion, the tension that that person might feel in their life and really lean into that both emotionally, spiritually, all those things, and really truly feel what someone else is going through typically are perfectionists, they're procrastinators, they're looking for the perfect next step. And when they can't find it, then they realize it's just easier if I just serve other people and help them because my needs are not important. And that's the trap is like, I believe the people who have the capability to do the highest good will defer their their good of what's required for them to win because at the end of the day, they find it easier and there's less friction to just do it for somebody else. So, What I believe is when you're surrounded by people who get that and everyone's looking out for everybody else, but they're also growing in their ability to ask for the things that they need, then all of a sudden it's a reciprocal type of relationship. It's group group economics on generosity and not on what can I sell you? What can I get you to do for me? How can I leverage you? You know, the days of like the, the, you know, old white dudes who are manipulative and they're the managers in the big organizations who oppress people and put them in, shove them in a box. Those days are dead. And if anybody's finding themselves in a situation of where they're accepting that type of leadership, you know, you're just delaying what's possible for your life. You're delaying the greatness of what I believe that God has instilled in you. And it's your responsibility to become aware enough to see like, oh, wait, this is happening in a way that I actually don't align with. And I'm ready to burn the boats and go all in on me. So I have just learned having people in your corner who are for you, true confidants, you get like two to three of those people in a lifetime. And you got to be so careful to not crush your confidants in in seasons of transition in your life. You know, you know that if someone's in your life for a lifetime, for a reason, for a season, sometimes it gets confusing. Sometimes they're trying to grow up and be more in your life than where they entered. But at the same time, I think the greatest tragedy is when we confuse our confidants for collaborators, people who are just there to, they're, they're for what, you know, for, for, for really like, I'll say it this way. The confidants are for us. They're for you. They don't give a crap what you do. Yeah. So like having those people in your life is insanely powerful because they're always there and they kind of didn't choose you. It's just the way the universe aligned. Then you have the second part, the collaborators, they're for what you're for. So if you change what you're for, then they disappear. In the church world, I used to see this all the time. It's like, all right, we're doing big outreach, you know, stuff. And we're, 
going to serve, you know, the people who are in poverty and different things. But as soon as you end that program or shift it, then like half the people go do something else. Why? Well, because they were for your four, they weren't for you. They love the mission that you were on. And then lastly, you have your uh, comrades and those people are, are against what you're against. <laughs> They're leverageable, right? Yeah. Like, but those are the people who align, uh, say it this way, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm. Those people come in your life, but the greatest tragedy of all, as far as energetically, is when you confuse a comrade for a confidant because they're not mm. for you. Yeah, They are against what you're against. And, and we get it twisted here because we go like, well, they seem really loyal and they seem like the type of person who's going to be like by our side. But the, the crazy thing is a lot of times you, 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 you find yourself bonding with them on a significant wound and not a common win. So the basis of that relationship is on pain and not purpose. And that's the difference. That's the twist. So you just have to be very mindful of the people that you have in your life. And those three C's of the different types of people, I think is a great way to identify like, what is this person's intent and purpose in my life? And how can I absolutely be of contribution and connection to them? But furthermore, where do I find them? What bucket are they in? Um, and that's a really way, a good way to make sure that you don't get it twisted. Cause I've had, I've had confidants. So I moved to collaborators It destroyed my whole business. Wow. Because they were for me and I didn't know it. So I put them in a different position because I thought they were for the thing I was building and I was wrong. And I lost literally the strongest people who would like, who were so loyal and would be there for me because I didn't understand. I didn't have the awareness to take personal responsibility to then, you know, keep them in the right position. And it was just, it's, it's, it's very tough but it's a good awareness piece. Hopefully this really serves your community well. Yeah, I think that's I think that's huge for people to hear. I think a, a great way to add on to that is, I feel like with social media nowadays, you have this mentality of, oh, you know, that person has this many followers. This person can increase my business if I'm hanging out with them because then, you know, I, all these things, right? And it's, if I'm working really hard, I need to dump some of these people because, you know, they're too basic and I need to be with epic people. And I think you explain that so well in the three C's is because I have so many people that have zero interest in entrepreneurship, have zero interest in what I'm doing, but are my, are my people. And they would be there for me, like you said. And I think people dump people too quickly and not understanding that. Just because they can't be a collaborator doesn't mean they're not your, you know, your confidant. And I think that's a great way to explain it to people because I think sometimes people are too quick to dump people and not quick enough to dump certain people like the collaborator or whoever, right? Because, you know, you always hear that, like, don't let people that bring you down stay in your life. And I, and I listen to some people and I listen to what these people are doing and I'm like, I don't think they were bringing you down. They just weren't helping you gain followers. That's different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, and then you hear all these stories of, you know, these kids on social media that become friends and come collaborators. And then all of a sudden something happens in real life and they realize that they're not actually comrades. Like they are, are not, um, yeah, anyways, they're not confidants. They are just collaborators. And so then they gave them all that power as a confidant. And it's so, and that's a great way to explain it because I think sometimes too many people put the collaborators as confidants. And I think that's a great it's, reminder. It's very, me. very, very true. It's very, very true. And it's, it's when you can really assess your circle and go like, who are my confidants? It's so good because it doesn't matter if you're a billionaire or you're broke, they're going to be there for you in the same capacity. And the collaborators, the hardest thing is to not push them into a confidant. And you really got to assess and create healthy boundaries on what that looks like. And it really starts with a question. Like it, it starts around what are your motivations, your intent? I mean, you don't lead with that question. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I remember in, in business when I was running one of my companies, um, ERAM. So expectations, responsibilities, abilities, and motivations. So if you really assess what's your vision, what are your goals? What is your intent? Like, and you talk to this person, you think, think about it, create a quick assessment. Like what are their expectations from our relationship? 
um, what are our responsibilities or what responsibilities do they have in my life or in my work if you're if there's somebody who you're working with what are their unique abilities and superpowers and how can they be leveraged for good not for you but for good then lastly what are their motivations and what's wild is your assessment either will be dead on or it's going to be way off there's really no gray um i remember i had a guy on my team and it was like what are his motivations? He wanted, you know, he had a, a full-time job, worked with me over the summer because he was a teacher. And um, he wanted to basically like uh, sport, uh, sports equipment and cut down some trees in his backyard. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm like, this guy's ride or die. Like, and he is, he is the type of guy who's always been there for me. I'm done since I was eight years old. But at the same time, I realized like that in this season of his life, there's a need that he has. And that's what's motivating him to be here. So in this season, yes, he may be a confidant for me, but in this season, he's doing what he's doing to collaborate. And sometimes you can find even the same people in a different season who are there for a different reason. And it's, again, mindfulness, slowing down enough, observing and not just accepting. I think that's you know one of the greatest things that we can do. Well, I think that's a great point because... I've actually had friends that I've worked with on certain projects and certain things and it's navigating that relationship and understanding, okay, here's our friendship bucket and here's our work bucket and understanding the difference and how to align them and how to act with each other. Because I have friends that it's pretty seamless. It's not as difficult to do the collab versus friendship, but then there's some where it's like, okay, we really need to separate our friendship and our collaborating in such a different sense if that makes sense so I understand oh, what yeah. you're saying in that for sure I think that's a great way for people to go into businesses or collaborating with friends and I it's interesting because I actually saw something today that says um starting a business with friends is the best thing you could do and I'm like I don't know if everyone agrees with you on that yeah yeah it's interesting you know process kills profit faster than anything else and that's what the benefit is of people who are unorganized and lost when it comes to just trying to figure out their business. It's actually, again, the blueprint is the compass, which is the intuition. And when we overcalculate, overanalyze, and we overprocess when we're people people and not process people, that's where a lot of failure comes in very, very quick. So the idea of friends and how friends or family can collaborate within a business, the reality is, I think, in my opinion, is to follow the golden thread of life have people who are positive around you, who have like assess ERAM, expectations, responsibilities, abilities, and motivations. Inspect that first. If you want to figure out anybody who's going to collaborate with you on anything, get that out of the way early. And if you do, yeah. then like, man, that's, that's taking personal responsibility and accountability of the relationship to make sure that it's operating in the right direction. Because I'll tell you, the times of my life of also where I've felt incredibly unorganized and lost is when I've actually crushed people on accident or when I've displaced, you know, relationships that were really valuable or where it happened to me in reverse. Because when our emotions get into it and they're not filtered by our beliefs that this is happening for me, this is a good thing. This is actually, I've been praying for a long time for God to do something significant in my life. And now he's doing it. And now I'm saying, why are you doing it? It's like, no, you have to let go of certainty and hold on to uncertainty if you want to do absolutely audacious, ridiculous, powerful things in the world. Look at Elon. You know, Elon Musk sold PayPal for $150 million. He reinvested all of the money into his companies and he was sleeping on his friend's couch. Talk about going all in. Talk That's about insane. finding yourself in a that. position. Oh yeah, well the human mind and the human spirit is conditioned for survival. It wasn't a happiness conversation of how am I, how do I be happy until like literally the last 60 to 100 years, not even 100, probably 50 to 60. So that shifted because dual working families, you know, like the money survival equation was solved, human consciousness, the way that people operated as far as their values, you hear universal basic income, all these other things that are happening. We have health systems that can take care of people when they're in extreme pain. So survival being the primary goal of humanity shifted into happiness. I'm using air quotes there because again, even happiness is the wrong thing. It should be fulfillment which is yes, being content, but having joy and satisfaction in the process. Um, but I, what, I've, what I've learned through this uh, kind of chasm of studying this is that high performers who are also exceptional people, that they have some type of rare breed tick in their mind, 
um, they have less objection to going all in because they have figured out what what playing safe does for them or they have they've observed it in other relationships or experiences from their parents or friends or family or whatever stories so elon going all in taking 150 million dollars which most people it's like you know uh deal or no deal but i'll take 150 million and i never have to work again and i can whatever yeah that will lead to unbelievable amounts of depression and anxiety and frustration because you will live your life fearing what if i lose it that's the mm -hmm. opposite side when you have it you lose it i had a friend ask me the other day um he was like dude so like you've generated multiple seven figures a year for your businesses like how does that feel i'm like well it feels like a lot until you have it oh. and then you realize it's not and so it's like a mirage. People are yeah. like, oh, if I could just do 100K, it's like, yeah, you realize how broke you are when you actually have it because it's not as sexy as it sounds. Yeah. So in reality, it's like, again, in pursuit of the things that we think we want are not necessarily the golden thread. I think, for example, you doing what you're doing right now is actually what most people want. It's not happiness in the sense of I want to feel happy. It's mm -hmm. fulfillment in the sense of I'm doing what I know in the season I'm supposed to do. And I'm doing it how I want to do it that's aligned with me and with people that I love. If they could see that, they would experience a way higher sense of fulfillment because happiness is like, you know, it's it's one of those things that is just, um, it's a such a moving target that truly doesn't make a lot of sense, um, but fulfillment does. I feel fulfilled. You know what? like fulfillment i'm looking at like full fill like the mm -hmm. cup is all the way to the brim you cannot put any other piece of joy happiness satisfaction positive relationships um positive psychology like good things good vibes you know god on my side like that's the brim all the way to the top it's not about being being happy i mean what the hell does that even mean yeah. it's about finding true fulfillment where the cup is overflowing and filled to the top and it just keeps on coming and when you do what you know that you're supposed to do and you let go of certainty and you hold on to uncertainty in a way that you've never done it before, it's like being behind a freaking boat with a tow line. Sometimes you feel like you're drowning and sometimes it's like those parasailer people, you know, they put the parachute on and they put you behind the boat and you're flying high and you're like, I can see the whole world. It's the journey. It's what's yeah. going to happen. The boat and the vessel's not going to change. You can say, get me off the ride. That's totally fine. But at the end of the day, those are the experiences of truly holding on to uncertainty. And I just wish more people had the courage to do it, but you're doing it. And that's something that is just unbelievably powerful. And I respect about you a ton. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah. I realize that fulfillment, I think goes in line with happiness in a way where people misunderstand what happiness is, where totally. I love the lake. That is my biggest obsession. I would most rather be on the lake than probably anything else. And the thing I realize is that so many people are like, well, why don't you become a boat driver or, you know, do that and make money doing that? And it's like, well, that takes away all the fun of the lake. The fun of the lake of is the irresponsibility, being with your friends. I don't know if anyone's ever been a boat driver, especially for people you don't know. It's terrifying because one, <laughs> especially for people, because it's usually for people that don't know what they're doing. You would not believe how many people may or may not almost fall out of a boat when you're driving them and they don't know what they're doing. It's terrifying. You're like, that's true. Man, don't do that. Just sit down. <laughs> Stop doing that. And I'm such a like safety freak that no, that's terrifying to me. So it is interesting because I did have a job in the past that brought me zero fulfillment and it may, it drained me so much from fulfillment that even doing this was difficult. And yes. so it's pretty cool being able to, you know, find that thing that being able to open up my bandwidth so I can do the things that make me feel fulfilled too. Mm -hmm. A question I like to ask instead of, you know, scale of one to 10, how happy are you? It's just a simple question of how full is your bucket? Mm. Because yeah. life has its way of drilling holes in the side of that bucket. Finances, the text you never expected, health challenges. I mean, you know, business challenges client challenges, you know, relational. I mean, you can, the list goes on. Those are yeah. just holes drilled in the side. But I think that in your work, i.e. wherever you spend the most amount of your time, if that does not give you the greatest amount of your cup being full, it's like cutting out the entire bottom of that bucket and pouring water into an empty hole that just goes into the abyss of whatever. And it is our responsibility to become aware enough 
to go like, this is a problem. I'm going to make a change or a shift. And that is the transition of life. It requires skill, it requires thoughtfulness. It requires faith. Um, and if you don't have all the parts of the equation, um, you just hold on to, well, I guess I just need a different job. And it's like, yes, but what else? Yeah. What else do you need? Right. And I found myself there just like, well, I just need a different client or I just need a different role in the company, or I just need a different job. It's like, no, I need a different level of personal responsibility to create the life that I want to create. And Absolutely. that, that shit right there, man, that changes the game. Absolutely. Okay. So you became the mark, the marketing person for this Invisalign competitor. What was next after that? After that, I went to Fortune 500. Um, I exited from uh, the Invisalign competitor and I asked for more responsibility and they were like, you could do some email marketing. I'm like, I run this whole brand. You guys just have no idea what's even going on. They're so old school, great product, but just old school process inside of the company. Um, yeah. So I went to fortune 500. I lasted there for 11 months because that was so slow, so much red tape, so much bureaucracy. I, I just couldn't do it. The entrepreneur in me was like screaming. And at that time I didn't even know I had entrepreneurial tendencies. I just knew that I was good at solving problems. So I lasted there for 11 months. I took 300 performing brands and um, doubled you know, their success rate from about 55% to their goals um, to 110, 115% to their goals. I did it in, in that 11 month time frame. And they gave me three brands, not just one. So like it's three times more difficult, yet they all succeeded at about the same ratio within about 10% of each other. And um, that was with over a billion dollars worth of assets. So. I mean, I was 27, 28, and I was managing a billion dollars worth of products for a $4 billion brand that is on the US you know, stock exchange. <laughs> so That's insane. that was wild. Yeah, that was, was that wild. Was there ever a point, because obviously there's no box for you, so you probably weren't thinking this way, but you were ever just sitting there going like, who's trusting me with this? This is insane. Not till literally like almost you know five years later where I was like, I was half the age of everybody else. I had the most ridiculous skill set like that just was like they hired me and i found this out they hired me because of my experience with hubspot so they hired me for like a technical platform experience and my ability in a certain way to run paid advertising because i ran my first facebook ad in 2009 like this is before people even knew that they had it yeah. um and so they kind of hired me on some of my hard skills and we're like we're just going to trust the process and um yeah, looking back, I'm like a bit like it's a quarter of the company, and they trusted a 27 year old, basically kid who's still wet behind the ears, right? Like to go fix this. But I think they had enough time of trying to fix it with people who had been there for 20 years that they were like, if we were to do the complete opposite of what we've always done, what would the result be? Yeah. And I did not have a long tenure there. Um, so that probably kind of sucked. But I did information share a lot about how I created success and still super well respected by the executives there and, and the people who I worked with. And um, yeah, that was that was a wild experience. And then so how did you get into that? Did uh, you apply or what what did that look like? Yeah, at that time, I remember my wife and I, we wanted to move to Portland, Oregon. Um, her family lives out that way. And uh, I applied to 30, 35 jobs. I could not get one interview, which is kind of crazy because I'm like, Yes, I have a unique thing. It's like seven years of leadership, you know, within a uh, nonprofit, basically. And then I have, you know, at that time, it was about two years worth of uh, marketing experience. And um, I hadn't finished my degree yet. So I didn't get one call back from Portland. So I applied to Paychex. Um, this was, let me see, I applied in like November, December, or something like that. And I was graduating in January. So I just put that I graduated. <laughs> I'm like, it's close enough. What the heck? You know, like I've been going back to school for the last few years. Like, and I did end up finishing. I've been in school point, long enough that I'm basically yeah. graduated. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and I'm in like, 3.8. Like that's amazing. Yeah. I crushed it. I mean, it was pretty crazy that like I was able to go back. And when I had clarity and certainty around my situation and around what I was in that season, what I was called to do, everything what was, was your effortless. In? Uh, business economics. Okay. Yeah. So, um, 
so yeah, I went and did that and, and, uh, applied to that gig and, and it was a local, like in Rochester, Paychex is the biggest employer. So it was a little bit easier to get in, I think, cause I was local, um, because I had, you know, other people who I knew who worked there, so a lot of relationships, um, yeah, I went there and just absolutely crushed it. But I wanted to like That's gnaw awesome. my leg off. Like it was the pace at which things happen taught me a lot about being patient. But my mind, I would finish what I needed to do in two to three hours a day with three companies from other people I had one and a billion dollars worth of assets. So I knew at that point I was gifted. I was like, something here is not like everybody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I think that's also a great point is networking is key to life in general. And we always oh, say yeah. relationships also, but I think the idea of networking in the sense of, un again, understanding your C's and where people belong, but how to keep those relationships. I think sometimes people go a little too in on how can you help me instead of building that relationship with someone before asking for things. And sometimes it might take longer than others. And, uh, I realized that it's an interesting thing to watch someone who goes straight for the ask instead of the relationship, because I think it's mm -hmm. harder to build relationships and to build that network. If you just ask someone for a one-off thing, it's like, okay, Hey, can you do this podcast with me? But you have zero relationship with them to reach out to them later for anything else or to have them be able to reach out to you. It's like, that's, it's not as an important or as helpful to, build your network out. Cause I yeah. think literally every single job I've ever gotten, except for, I want to say one, but I think I actually knew someone. That's how I got the interview, but almost every single job I've ever gotten. Oh, I got a job as a, um, hostess by myself, which I was super <laughs> proud of. But the only reason I got awesome. that was because I had interviewed with another, um, another restaurant and I was 18. I had only worked at a dentist office and you know, I did, I was a soccer referee. I was a nanny, which <laughs> I wasn't very good at, but you know, this is like one of my first like jobs outside of working at this dentist office. And I go to this interview and this guy is literally ripping me a new one. Like he is, he is explaining that the host is the most important person in the, and he's like riddling off all this stuff at me. And I'm just sitting there going like, I don't think I'm getting interviewed. I think he's just yelling at me a what, this position right. is. Like, this and is so I'm sitting there like, yeah. huh? <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of went out of there go like, cause again, I'm 18. I'm like, okay, this guy is, this is not the job for me. This is a little too aggressive for a hostess position that you probably don't even pay tips. And so <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get that position, but I ended up interviewing at this other restaurant and I just riddled off every single thing he yelled at me. I loved it. <laughs> Done. I'm so the like first person that yeah. people see. I'm the I'm the face of the restaurant. I know how important that is. And they're like, mm. who is this girl? But for the most part, every other job I've ever gotten was networking. And I think some people oh. don't realize that the power of just talking about what you want to people. And it's like, yes, the manifestation and all that's great. But I mean, even just talking to someone saying, hey, I have this interest. I was talking to a friend of mine because I grew up in such a networked community. It's a very small town for the most, or at least started that way. And you know, our, my family's very outgoing and they have a lot of friends. And so I have a big network in that sense. But the thing that I was t talking to him about, cause he grew up in San Diego, I was like, just start talking to people. I was like, even if it's at the grocery store, even if it's at a bar, even if it's at an airport, just start talking to people, believe it or not. One person you talk to does that. That's or true. they know someone that does that and they can help mm -hmm. you. <laughs> It's very true. You know, generosity begets generosity. And I think uh, it's a, that's a part of my operating system is like, you know, <laughs> Gary Vee, he said it this way. He was like, uh, how can I guilt people into wanting to help me? And it's such a funny complex. But at the same time, there's something so noble and integral about that in the sense of if I just give to the point of them, they go like, man, you just helped me so much. What can I do for you? I think that it inspires the right type of relationship of, you know, a reciprocal action. And if they don't, you, it's, it's up to you to have the boundary on how long you give for until you receive something, right? Like there's nothing, you know, generosity beginning generosity means both your hands are open. So you have the ability mm -hmm. to give freely, but you also can receive freely and not reject mm -hmm. a gift when it comes or when someone asks you the question, oh my God, you've been so helpful. What can I do for you? 
And instead of going like, well, you know, just pray for me, you know, it's like, no, that's bullshit. What can I do for you? And it's like, okay, what's my number one priority? That's the reason why people can't answer that question is because they don't even know what their goals are. They don't know what their priorities are. They don't even know what they're focusing on. They're just, I'm running through life and just whatever. Again, awareness, great, but responsibility comes next. What is your personal responsibility? And if you have a mission that's big enough, you have to communicate that. So like now when people ask me, what can I do for you? I'm like, it's really simple. I run masterminds. So here's how it works. I get the best freaking people that I know together and we all help each other with with growth, period. So this is the context of relationships. It's growth in your business. It's growth in your personal life, spiritual life, whatever. Like I know for a fact that I can gather the most incredible people together and I can position all of you to do your greatest work. If you want to be a part of that, I want you to be there, yeah. period. Like I want you there. And without yeah. making that I was ask, actually almost applying before like, this. Yeah, there you go, right? So it's like, so what's the deal, right? So like, what, what, what is the, what is the ask? If I can't be audacious enough, yeah. The Bible, the way that I was raised, the Bible says, if you don't ask for it, you're never going to get it. Yeah. I heard it in the street like this: a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So if you want it, you got to ask for it. And if you're in a position of doing something great, you better freaking go all in, like Elon, 150 mil, sleep on a couch. You got to go full tilt. And I think that people respond to that thriving type of, you know, thermostat that you set in your world. People can see that and it's energetically something that's wildly attractive. So, yeah. Absolutely. I think to tie on to that too, is to be willing to ask for things back, but also not have any expectation. Cause I know, um, there's people that I know that are I don't know if you know anything about Enneagrams, but they're a two and so they're a helper. And so the thing I've noticed about a lot of twos is that they tend to help in an expectation of things back, such as a thank you or whatever they're looking for. They only do it for that back and they don't really realize they're doing it. But I think the biggest thing is, yes, you should be able to help people and then also receive, but not having that expectation from people when they never asked for it. And understanding what they actually need. I think you actually explained that very well is understanding what they actually need. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. It's so freaking true. Um, Problem is most people don't know what they want. And again, that comes back to goal setting. You know, Jim Rohn said, what I learned from Mr. Schoff was, you know, he said, if you don't have your goals written down and know exactly what they are, then I can estimate your bank account within a hundred dollars. So, you know, there's nobody who is audacious enough like Elon. Like, let's think of the greats because it's easy to, you know, think of them. Kobe, Elon, you know, um, anybody in business who you aspire to be like, or that you would say, wow, that person's wildly successful. Yeah, because they have intention. Goal setting is about intention. It's not about definition. It's about setting point A to point B. If you get in your car and you're in Folsom and you're like, okay, Point B is I want to drive to San Diego. Well, if you don't set point B, you could take a road that'll take you to New York. And all of a sudden, where do you, where do you land? Somewhere you never intended to be. Mm-hmm. So the goal setting is about just setting A to B. You don't have to know exactly how to get there. Use the GPS. You just drive. But you got to set the destination. And so for me, I was like, good. I know exactly what my destination is. I know exactly what I want to do. And I had to break away from so many things that weren't serving me in order to get there. Now I value it differently. And I'm on mission like I've never been before. So it's like all things come into life and they they come. Sometimes the burden turns into a blessing and you have to see it as such. And you got to like turn in the small thing for the big thing, even when it's a small beginning, even when it doesn't seem like you're going to have the whole equation. That's the fun part of life. It's like enjoy the journey, enjoy the ride. Absolutely. So yeah. I actually kind of want to dive more into your quote masterminds that you, I noticed you call them mentor minds mm-hmm. and kind of explain what they are. And if people are interested, what it, what it's about. Yeah. I mean, I think that my thesis is pretty simple. Like I've never made a bad investment being around the right people ever in my life. Wow. Right. And so I know that people, when they can get together in the right room, and it's one of those things that's like, you know, coaching used to be called leadership. Leadership, I think that in the context of masterminds, this is a tribe of leaders. You are at the table of transformation with incredibly powerful people who are up to something. The whole concept, if you can't do epic shit with basic people, 
I will tell you lovingly, but seriously, I don't have basic people at my table because I'll never accomplish the things that I feel like God is calling me to do. And I have responsibility around that with people who are going to play average, who are going to do mediocre, who aren't going to show up, you know, who are going to just do the minimum. Like, it's just, it's not in my, I don't want that even in my field of energy at all. Yeah. I don't want negativity in my field of energy. Like, it's so funny. A lot of people pray for new things. Like, all right, if I just could meet one person, they could really get me in the right direction. It's like, yeah, well, you got to let go of something to get there. Yeah. And we forget that like the people around us are the greatest catalyst to what it is that we want to accomplish, but it's transition. You, you know, when you're in transition in life, you have to let go of the one thing to grab onto the next thing. And it's the hardest thing to do. It's like, think of like being a kid with monkey bars, like you're swinging from one to the next. And the scariest thing to do is to let go of certainty to grab on to that transition point of uncertainty to get to the next certainty. And that's where most people find themselves is that when they're in a place of uh, growth, they may be stuck, they may be plateauing. Like I have people who are in my groups who are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Then I have other people who are entrepreneurs who are just getting started. There's two different formats. But the reality is, is they're all experiencing the same thing. Growth through transition. Transition is a skill. Change is an event. You get fired, you're like, crap, I got fired. It just happens. Transition, I want to grow. I want to accomplish my vision. It is a skill to navigate those waters. I just have navigated them more than most people. So I have learned that having the right people around me is the antidote to 80% of the problems in my business, at least. And when generosity is the forefront of the people who are in that group, you don't have to go hire a business coach. You don't have to go find a focus or accountability coach. You don't have to hire a marketer to solve all the things because they'll just tell you what to do. And if you're the type of person who's willing to take audacious action to get the crap you want out of life so that you can accomplish your intended purpose and mandate, then I promise you, like you're going to be in a vortex of freaking massive success or fulfillment or growth, whatever it is that the, the pinpoint is that you're looking for in the next season of your life. So I get it really excited about this stuff. So I don't mean to be preachy, but I just know the no, power I love of it. This. Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I have just found in the hardest seasons of life, I remember when COVID hit, I lost a million dollars of recurring revenue in two days. And it's just like, okay, you know, it's the journey of an entrepreneur. It's just like, okay, so now what? And I'm like, well, surf. Why? When the most uncertainty comes in my life, I go help people with no expectation. I'm really good at that because it's a wound. So I've actually had to learn how to have some boundary, no expectation. But so I go serve and I help. I find a mentor who's like, I just want to help you. Isn't that interesting? Reciprocating action. Generosity begets generosity. He charges over $100,000 a year to coach people. And he's like, I just want to help you. He walked with me every day for 150 days. He lived in my neighborhood. We walked and we talked and we walked and we talked. I closed $300,000 worth of business in a week. Wow. And that brought me through a season. Then I built a million dollar company and generating a million dollars worth of revenue in five months. So how? I didn't know what to do. But in every incredible story, Scotty and Michael, you know, now you got Clay and you got, you know, uh, Curry and you got Draymond, right? Like they, you cannot win alone. We are getting to a point. I believe in life, but in consciousness, we're how people operate. We're fighting Thanos here. You can't just have one superhero yeah. taking on what I believe is a colossal giant. You need to have the right people around you in order to accomplish something audacious. So billionaires, and I'll end with this. The secret to billionaires is it's not about process. It's about people. They talk about it in closed door conversations. And I've heard these conversations, meaning from people who have been in the room. Everything is about the people you surround yourself with. You know, we heard that um, uh, uh, Russell, uh, Russell Wilson, he has a zero negativity rule. If you work in any part of his business, remember this, mm -hmm. he will cut you. He will cut you out if you're negative, period. Why? He understands the value of the currency of energy and how if that sticks on you, it's going to delay you. So entrepreneurs are committed to the highest version of themselves. The question is, what do you need to die to and let go of in order to get to the next thing? And I'm the guide of that transition point to help you get there.
Okay, so now that we're all convinced that we need to sign up for a mentorship, <laughs> so is the easiest way to do it um, to go on your site and apply? Yeah, yeah, everybody applies. I have two two cardinal rules. I don't care if my wife or my my parents wanted to join a mentor mind group. Um, I would make them apply. And the reason is, is because it gives me an idea of where you're coming from, what your support system is, how you view the world. I don't ask really heavy business questions, although these are business-minded groups because that's how we can serve one another and our growth. Um, but at the end of the day, it's more about where you're at in life and it gives me an idea of where you wanna go as well. So I ask those questions early and often. Um, and in addition, everybody pays the same. So nobody comes in without doing that. And I do that on purpose, why? It's integrity. It's towing the line of integrity to say, if you're here, you're making an equal contribution to every single person in this group. If you don't show up, that's a disqualifier. If you don't make 80% of the meetings, you won't get invited back, I promise you. It's wild, people go like, really? I'm like, yeah, because this is about responsibility. This is about yeah. accountability. This is about not only getting, but giving. And it's very peer focused. This is not the Nick show. This is not yeah. for me to just solve every problem in your business. This is for all of us to help each other get to where we want to go. And these are bonds people make for a freaking lifetime. It's really incredible. I love that so much. Yeah, I think it's super important to uh, realize that sometimes I think that's one thing that people are lacking lately is accountability and showing up. I can't tell you how many people are late and act like, what's the problem? And it's like, I mean, if you're 10 minutes late, in my mind, that's that's fine. I mean, life is life. It's whatever. But when you're consistently 15 to 20 to 30 to whatever it is, it's like you're not respecting my time either. And I just I just I don't know. I don't have time for that. So I appreciate the accountability of that all. 100 percent. 100 percent. Before we close out, I loved, you've been posting a lot of quotes on your Instagram lately, and I loved your give all of yourself to your passions and dreams. Don't hold back. The energy you give will eventually return tenfold. That was definitely a reminder I needed. And I think is so incredible for a lot of people because as I talked about um, when we first met is a lot of the things that I was holding back for my business was fear. It was all the fear of not just failure, but just once I go all in, I'm all in and I have to deal with what happens knowing that I was all in. And it's interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, you're scared, scared of failure. And I was like, I don't think that's the thing. Cause if I was scared of failure, I would try harder, you know, mm -hmm. or not try at all. It's this half-ass trying because then if the failure is the outcome, I have an excuse. And so I think, I think totally. that was a great reminder. So that's awesome. Well, I'm glad that it served you, you know, anything yeah. that contracts in your life, anytime there's contraction, in your beliefs or thought patterns, it doesn't serve you. Mm. And I've learned that a lot of times we put on our boxing gloves when we're met with that awareness and we're like, Oh, fear you little fucker. You know, where it's like, <laughs> I, now I want to box you. It's like, no, 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 no. You accept it. You mm -hmm. allow it to come in. It's an old friend actually yeah. that served you maybe when you were six and that yeah. helped you stay alive. It's a survival mm -hmm. mechanism. So what we do is we bring it closer and go like, oh, it's you again. What's up? Yo, fear. <laughs> it's so good to see you, man. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Like, it's good yeah. to see you. So why are you here? What's going on? Oh, okay. Now I understand it. Sweet. Well, listen, man, I'm just going to tell you real quick. I'm good. I got this. And I know, I know you showed up last time that this thing came up, but I'm good. I got this. So I want to thank you for being here and you served the moment well. I remember that time that you got me through that situation. But this is not the same situation. So I'm going to let you run. I love you. Talk to you never. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's our survival mechanisms will show back up in our lives in different seasons of where there's pattern recognition, where there's a familiar experience. And we have to be aware to go, oh, don't reject it. If you reject it, it goes deeper. So for you, mm -hmm. you embrace that reality. And you were like, oh, what a beautiful reminder. And then you look at the fear and you go like, oh, isn't that interesting? You know, and, and it's just being with it. And then as soon as you can appreciate it, like Michelle Kondo with like, oh, thank you, T-shirts. When you have that level of gratitude, you release it and it disappears. Absolutely yeah. disappears. That's the way that I'm getting through different seasons of transition in my life of where I have to literally reinvent so much in order to go all in on what I know I'm called to do. So That's amazing. Well, before we close out, is there anything else you'd like to, to add to the podcast? You know, I think that um, 
greater things are on the way for people who will lean into a lot of the truth that you and I talked about today. Uh, in the process of greater things, you got to dig deeper ditches. You got to have the audacity to pray for the rain to come and to fill the ditch. You've got to have the audacity to ask God to make the sun stand still so you have more time to accomplish the dream that you want to accomplish. You've got to have the courage to walk through a river that you're trusting God to part and walk on dry ground to cross into the promise. You know, complaining will perpetuate your wandering and overanalyzing and overstructuring and overcomplicating will guarantee, I think, um, hell on earth, which is feelings of shame and rejection. So if I can inspire just one person, just one, to just have audacious, audacious belief to go do something, audacious action, exactly what you're fearing to do right now is the thing that will get you out of the situation that you're in and into the promise that I believe God has for your life. So I can't leave without pointing back to what I believe is my source of greatest inspiration and, um, uh, and, and fulfillment, which is being in true alignment and in integrity with my creator. And so, uh, that's a big thing. And, uh, I hope that encouragement serves the moment. Well, <laughs> Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for coming on the podcast. We're here to prove you don't always have to be organized to follow your dreams and getting lost. Isn't always a bad thing. Bye.